Hello again, everybody. I am Mike Westendorf, joined again with my friend, Pastor Pete Panitsky, for our seventh installment of Great Questions, Great Conversations. We're already at episode seven, Pastor Pete. Yeah, the, we're learning as we go. <laughs> that we are. Well, uh, pretty soon we're like, we're like okay, uh, after Easter, we'll have some time to be able to work on, on some things. We're going to get you a nice microphone and some other odds and ends. But uh, thank you, everybody who's listening right now for being a uh, part of this. Uh, we've had a number of people, uh, emails, uh, conversations. It's come up in casual conversation um, that it's been helpful. And the conversation has been, um, it's just been two people talking about uh, the things that people are curious about. So, uh, Pete, and thank we're you so much. To get- more great questions. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. exactly. That was one of our hopes is that this would spur on. And we, we called this season one because we weren't sure if anybody was going to listen after the first two episodes. <laughs> like, maybe we'll just take a break and we'll keep going after that. We'll call it season two. Yeah. Uh, but we're, we're continuing to roll on at this point. Um, I am going to airplane mode my phone as it's beeping at me. Um, today, we are... Uh, wanting to talk about uh, the resurrection. And um, I, I've been on this uh, this worship team for about 10, 12 years now. And uh, every year I'm, I've been honored to be a part of the ministry team. And we're talking behind the scenes about the things that are coming up. And Pete, your, your um, passion, you're a context guy like me. So for those of you who are like, I like the details, you will love talking to us. For those of you who are like, shut up and get to the point. Well, we'll try to get there as fast as we can, but, uh, but you love context. And when it comes to some of these deeper questions of faith, particularly around Easter, you've said we really need to be uh, wrestling with this from an apologetic standpoint, helping people understand. And so we thought we would take some time today. And uh, Pastor Pete, you ready to jump into the resurrection uh, today? Uh, I am ready. In fact, uh, I will get right to the point right away. Okay, here it comes. All right, so for those of you who are like, you don't need to listen to anything after this, here it goes. The point is, every discussion we have had about difficult questions always comes back to this. Did Jesus rise from the dead? If Jesus rose from the dead, that leads us to look at everything from from a biblical uh, framework you know the the questions that we have. We're gonna we're gonna find answers from a. a we're gonna look at the world for, through a biblical framework because Jesus is risen from the dead, uh, and so this is the key thing, and that's why I'm so excited about it. So that's the point. That's there you go. So for those of you who are like, what's going to be the point of all of this? Did Jesus rise from the dead? And what we want to talk about today, um, sometimes on a Sunday morning, we don't have enough time to go into all of the details of this or to the depth that some of you might like to do. But we would like to be able to dive into a number of different um, parts of, well, how, how do we know? How, how, do we, how do we process what you just said? How do we get to that? I'm convinced that, the, that, that Jesus Christ died uh, from the, the uh, rose from the dead. And of course, again, this is, as we talk about the gospel and about God's word, the Holy Spirit is work opening hearts and minds to understand and even see this perspective. And I, I have a number of um, uh, not Christian friends um, who they cannot understand it. And I, I, I wind up finally saying is that you can't understand. You cannot. You can't. Even if you wanted to, you can't. This needs to be revelation um, as you 
open up God's word and the Holy Spirit working in you. And then all of a sudden, what do you mean? I can't, I can, uh, that's not how this works. So where yeah. would you like to begin for today? Pastor Pete? Um, I, I would start just with, uh, my, my honest admission that, that I open up the Bible every morning and say, prove to me again that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, a few years ago, I invited people to join me on my daily Bible reading, my daily devotions. I send out an email every morning, right. and, and I called it the Fellowship of the Empty Tomb because I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a Lord of the Rings nerd, <laughs> not as much as my children, but uh, yeah, you, you got know, too much Galaxy Quest in you. Yes, uh, so uh, Fellowship of the Empty Tomb. That every day I'm reading, saying, "Lord, prove to me again," and so I'm always looking for more evidence. Uh, so I'm not talking to you as somebody who's got all this. I am talking to you as somebody who says, this is my daily quest. And uh, probably the place where I would start with that daily quest is just looking at the the Easter accounts. And for a long time, it was like, there are four Easter accounts. And if you ever try to put them together, like on, a, on Easter morning for, you know, oh, let's have an Easter service where we where we combine all the lessons together, you know, and, oh, is that hard? Because mm -hmm. they are independent witnesses. For a long time, that, that, that frustrated me, that worried me. And now I realize, well, as independent witnesses, they each said, oh, this is what's important to me, and this is what's important to me. And they added details uh, that they weren't worried about, oh, will my readers easily be able to see how this detail fits with the detail of Mark or the detail right. from Luke? They're, they're just independent witnesses. I, and, and if if I can, for those of you who are listening, there's there's two things that just happened. Um, Pastor Pete did, for those of you who are like, how do I read the Bible? How do I approach the Bible? You just gave our, our listeners and viewers an opportunity to think, here's one way, prove to me again that the resurrection is true as somebody who's not only reading, but also considering evidence. So I thought that that was really good. And then number two, that idea of trying to, um, for those of you who've grown up in the church, we do this a lot for Good Friday, where we take all of the gospel accounts and try to fit them all together. Um, but what you just said there is that if you try to do that from an Easter stand perspective, there seems to be conflict. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, or or, or or apparent contradictions, right? Apparent, apparent, apparent. contradictions, right. Yeah. and Because th this is a big deal. I mean, if, if the Easter account is so important to us, look, when you stack them up next to each other, they don't add up. So help me with yeah. that, which is where yeah, we're and, going. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't say they don't add up, but it's just, it is hard to go, okay, the women were there. Mary Magdalene saw Jesus. The women saw Jesus. How does this all fit together? Yeah. And the 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 more that I have uh studied and thought about it, uh the the more I understand perhaps why they're different perspectives. Uh for example, um my my latest aha was, you know, I did a little bit of research about Mary Magdalene, and uh, I found out that church history uh, says that Mary Magdalene uh, lived the last part of her life in Ephesus. 
Hmm. The same place that the Apostle John lived the last part of his life, other than his exile on Patmos. So when John is recording the resurrection account, it's very likely that he had quite a few conversations with Mary Magdalene about that very special morning. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, uh, the part of the account that jumps out at him is not Jesus interaction with all the women, but Jesus interaction with Mary, first of all. I went, oh, so he appears first to Mary. John doesn't say, and he didn't appear to the other women. Right. It's just, I'm going to give you more detail because I got a chance to talk with Mary Magdalene about this. And this is just such a great account. Yeah. "Ah." So the more I read, the more I can see how they fit together. Yeah. Or can can we talk about the the five ways the Chevys get to St. Paul's? (laughs) So, (laughs) so. Sorry, Chevy family, but you came up at our ministerial team meeting uh, yesterday because we were talking about, you know, you know, people running back and forth to the tomb. And uh, why didn't they bump into each other? And and uh, uh, Pastor Keel mentioned that he was talking with the Chevys and and that they they can can come to St. Paul's from their home in five different ways, depending upon where they're going to end up on campus. Right, and you know to recognize that there would be different paths out to the tomb from Jerusalem, so maybe they didn't all run along the same path, right? Uh, and that's you know why didn't they bump into each other? Well, that they they probably were just not there at the same time in the same place. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah. There's unity in. We all saw the tomb empty. There you go. All our struggle is with is, okay, you know, how did it come they didn't bump into each other on the way out? Or why does John say that Mary Magdalene uh, saw Jesus first and the other Gospels talk about the women saw Jesus first? Oh, well, it's because he had that connection with Mary Magdalene. So... When you when you think about it from that point of view, they all have the same account. Yep, they're just adding details. Yeah, which is really important. Maybe that's helpful for some of you who have tried to look at this. And and I, I was talking with uh, uh, Pastor Keel the other day, trying to make sense of the chronology of the Gospels. And and I was like, w- were the Gospels written in chronological order? And uh, no, uh, apparently Mark is the closest. Th- closest to being in some type of chronological order but and so that's it's interesting it's even like old testament books like like jeremiah for example which is oh yeah it's he's jumping all over the place and so if you try to read it with chronology and and a timeline in mind it's it's going to be utterly confusing and so it wasn't until later in life that i that somebody else shared that with me and taught me that and all of a sudden now it's like oh okay now i can see these these accounts from a, a, a more genuine perspective than me trying to force it into a timeline that doesn't make any sense. Right. So that's very yeah. good. Yeah. And, and, and to, to recognize like each of the gospels were gospel writers wrote with a different audience in mind. So let's just okay, go, go. Yeah. Go so, for this. So Matthew 
you 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 don't have to read very far into Matthew, and you know that he's writing to people with a, a Jewish background. So he makes lots of references to the uh, this fulfills prophecy, right? Mm-hmm. Matthew is the one who records that uh, you know the Jewish leaders made a, a, a an agreement with the soldiers to uh, you know say that. Somebody came and stole the body away. Yeah. Uh, and that is why it is, you know, this is this story has been circulated. Oh, he's writing to Jewish Christians who have heard those stories. Where did those stories come from? Matthew, well, I, I'm gonna confront that because this is this is my audience. Mm-hmm. Uh Mark's gospel. Mark is almost certainly the Apostle Peter's testimony. We, we mentioned this really in the very first of our episodes, that, right. that Mark was a co- close co-worker with the Apostle Peter near the end of his life, and Peter said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preserve my story so that future generations hear this. So almost certainly Mark's gospel is him rec- writing down this, the, the gospel story that Peter told over and over again. You know, and and it's probably more in historical order, you know, like Pastor Keel said, because Peter was probably, you know, he lived it and saw this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. Matthews is more, I'm going to tell, I'm going to share a long sermon by, by the apostle, uh, by Jesus, and then I'm going to, here's some things that happened, and then I'm going to share another long, you know, there's five long sermons in Matthew's gospel. So each has a different goal. But then you look at, at Mark's gospel in the resurrection account Mm -hmm. and it has this odd ending. (laughs) Uh, You know, know, it's like, you know, the, the NIV has a line across that says, you know, the most ancient manuscripts. And we would just say, you know, there are ancient manuscripts that don't have them, but there's many, many manuscripts that do. And even the, the two ancient manuscripts that they hold so high because they are uh, from about the 350 AD, and they're our, our oldest complete New Testament. Okay. Mm-hmm. But even they have indications that the the copyist knew there, there was a section missing. One leaves a blank page, and another has a page missing, though with that it could have just been lost. Right. Um but as I, you know, again, I'm going, okay, prove to me again. Why did Peter, or why did Mark end the way he did? Because Mark begins the gospel with a summary of Jesus' uh, message, repent and believe. Right? Mm-hmm. Repent and believe the good news. Right. And guess how the Mark's gospel ends? Jesus appeared to these people, and the disciples didn't believe them. Jesus appeared to these people, and the disciples didn't believe them. Then Jesus appears to the disciples and rebukes them for their lack of faith. Mm -hmm. So Mark is writing to people who say, I'm not sure about this resurrection of the dead. That is really hard to believe. And Mark ends the account with, and you're not alone. The disciples had the same hard time believing. And how can you be sure that Jesus rose? 
look at all the miraculous signs that Jesus did through the apostles confirming the word. That's how the gospel ends. Oh, you know, Mark had this purpose. Mm -hmm. Uh, Luke's gospel is, Luke is a careful historian. Yeah. So he's, he wasn't an eyewitness. He was a, the only non-Jewish New Testament writer. Uh, uh, he is a Gentile that, that he he grew up in Asia Minor, what is today Turkey. But he spends two years in Israel when Paul is in prison, and uh, it's obvious that he talks to people. He says, yeah. I, "I I talk to the witnesses." Yep. Well, he's the only one that mentions Jo Jo Johanna. Johanna. Well, and he was like, "Why why does he mention Johanna and the others don't?" Well, it's probably because. Johanna was not a very uh, leader type of the women. Mm-hmm. So the other disciples don't mention him or mention her. Uh, but Luke probably had a chance to talk with her. She, she comes up there. actually in, in Luke in Luke eight. So he uh, again one of these ideas that he talked to because Johanna was one of the women I you know this is so cool there are a bunch of women who were supporting Jesus ministry out of their means and some of them are given you know name by name Johanna right. is one of them which again and, and, would say that Luke was talking with the witnesses right and and the other gospels don't mention her like I said probably because she wasn't the one of the the leaders of the group right and because it just mentions other women right right uh, yep yeah so so yeah. Oh, Luke probably talked with Johanna. And, uh, you know, I, I'm convinced that Luke also talked with the Virgin Mary because Luke is the one who has all that detail about yeah. Jesus' birth. Right. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, th- there's just these kind of details. And then finally, John's gospel. And can, John's, real quick, can, can yeah, I? Yo, please. And, and, I'm, so I'm so Luke was not non-Jewish writer, but... Um, you know, even Theophilus, who's writing to, I mean, is this one then you'd say this, this is a little bit more written to a Gentile audience? Very much so. Right. Yeah. Details that, details and comforts for those of us who weren't born, uh, you know, Jewish uh, as, as, yeah, the chosen people. But now, of course, through Christ, all people are the chosen people who believe in him. Right. Okay. Right. Non-Jewish writer, good. All right, John, yeah. and 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 it's interesting. And when you think about right at the end of Luke's gospel, that uh, Luke's gospel is the one that records the conversation with the two men on the way to Emmaus. Yes, and and shows you know this is fulfilled what was written about in the uh, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Yeah. Okay, brothers and sisters who are not of Jewish background, guess what? You can read the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. That's how the People talked about the Old Testament, Law of Moses, first five books of the Bible. Prophets were what we would call prophets and history. Right. And then the Psalms, there was, you know, kind of a, the, these poetic books that were all group, grouped together in the Hebrew Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So, brothers and sisters, if you weren't on a Jewish background, you can get that background by reading the Old Testament, and you'll find Jesus there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. John. And then John's gospel is written probably 30 years after the the last of the gospels. And he fills in lots of details that uh, the others don't. 
uh, but he also makes assumptions that you know what uh, the other gospels had had recorded. So uh, this is you said before too that that idea that that's another one of those little nuggets that you know he he was he didn't the other letters had been circulated widely enough in the known churches at that time that he did not feel he had to go back through all of the oldest stuff. He could focus on right. a narrower yeah. spot. Yeah. And uh, I, I fell in love with John chapter seven, where, where he talks about uh, there's this discussion. How can Jesus be the Messiah? Because he's not born in Bethlehem. He comes from Nazareth. Well, John never explains how he's born in Bethlehem. He just yeah. assumes that his right his readers know the backstory from Luke. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so, um, but you know, so John John writes as an eyewitness, and we talked at Mint Team about uh, just a little detail like the the facial cloth it, when Jesus was buried, or when when Jesus rose, uh, the facial cloth that was around him when he was buried was folded up neatly by itself. And uh, that's the kind of detail that an eyewitness would, you know, mm. kind of burned into his memory. Um, and, it, you know, we talked about how if you were still in a body, you wouldn't spend the time folding all the nice, you know, stuff, and leaving right. it behind. You're just, you got to get out of there. But it's that detail that says, oh, he was an eyewitness. He was an eyewitness. He was there. Yeah, so I'm constantly looking for those little details that say, I was there. I was there. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that we do in terms of, of resurrection, and if you've ever been with us on an Easter Sunday and you hear Pastor Pete preaching, um, he'll oftentimes talk about the idea of, of interviewing the eyewitnesses. And that's that's kind of a, a way of saying it's important to read the Gospels and to understand the context that we were talking about. There are different perspectives being spoken uh, because these are different people who are writing to different audiences. Um, some who were there, some who interviewed a whole bunch of people and was summarizing, i.e. Luke, um, and that it's important for you and I to interview the witnesses as we try to say, is Jesus... Did this event happen? If everything that we're talking about ultimately finds its its uh, our peace in that fact, our worldview shifts, well, how do you start interview the eyewitnesses? Right. And and then when you think about the rest of the New Testament, uh, Paul and Peter and John, um, we find out that these eyewitnesses are willing to die. Yeah, and this is they, they saw. Yeah, so this will be point number two. So how 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 do we how do you put value behind and validity behind this? Um, let's let's talk specifically. This will be point number two. People are willing to die for this. What do, well, yeah. why why is that a, such a big deal? So so you know certainly there are martyrs, especially in other other faiths today, who are willing to die for what they have been told. Right. Uh, but these are men and women who saw Jesus and saw Jesus dead and now alive again, who were imprisoned more than once, beaten more than once, uh, who anywhere along the line could have just said, I made it all up. And they're released. 
who dies for a lie? And, and so I, I read these testimonies, the Gospels and, and Paul's letters, uh, you know, Peter's letters, John's letters, uh, Jude, as, as uh, um, a, a deathbed confession. You know, because as far as they knew, they could be put to death for this anytime. Yeah, that puts that that puts a lot of weight on what they say. Yeah, I think one of my favorite ones is is uh, is is an Acts. You know, not too long after the Holy Spirit is released, and and the disciples now. The Holy Spirit connects the dots. They have a courage about them now. They start speaking about it and. And the religious leader's like, you all need to stop talking about this. And you're like, we can't. We have to, we have to say to we have to speak to what we've seen and witnessed. And they just keep going and the news spreads and yeah. And 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 the fact that uh I'm reading through that section of Acts right now in my daily rate reading, and you know, that they they don't pray, Lord, stop the persecution. Yeah. They pray, Lord, give us give us the courage. Uh, to 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 be your witnesses, like oh Lord, give me that conviction. So yeah. you know we 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 were talking about how uh, uh, after, from from Easter going forward, uh, we're, we're going to talk about you know the next steps. You know mm-hmm. Jesus' first step was to 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 reassure the disciples and to comfort Mary and and to uh, commission them and. That's our next steps too, and and the the first step is Lord. I need to have this stronger conviction, mm-hmm. and that's where we're going to go after you know in the weeks after Easter. It's like okay, what what do I do to grow in my conviction? What do I do to to be that community that cares for the crying like Mary Magdalene cried? And what can I do to to strengthen my willingness to to sacrifice myself uh so that the mission the, the good news is shared so i am yeah. really looking forward to easter and this easter season i i, I think these are going to be some great messages yeah all right so so we talk about number one um one of the important ideas is we as as we encourage people to again you know if you're reading the bible or Prove to me again that Jesus rose from the dead. Everything hinges on this historical reality as a fact that Jesus Christ of uh, of Nazareth, um, as prophesied in the Holy Scriptures for the purposes of what the Bible talked about, did in fact die and rise from the dead. If that's the case, changes everything. Uh, one of the key ideas for all of us to take away, interview the witnesses. Really look and dig into this. Number two, um, it's a... It's one of the evidences that gives us comfort and confidence and conviction is that uh, these people um, died. And it's and it's not just them, too. I mean, we get this, but then church history and you look at the persecutions that broke out and yet the world started to change. I remember uh, us doing a um, there's a, a DVD Bible study called Who Is This Man? Yeah. It just talks about how in the first two centuries after Jesus, how um, society changed for the better for women and children in particular because of what Christians did living out the faith and the in, in their belief that, that Jesus was who he was, rose from the dead, many of whom were able to talk to the relatives of people who were there. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about that. That's that's like right. back right. in Noah's day. 
that whole idea that Adam could have talked to Noah's grandpa, you yeah. know, when you look at the genealogies and stuff. But if if after the resurrection, if people like uh, John was pretty old. What, uh, what, right. So he was in his 90s when he passed away. And oh. yeah, and and uh, it's uh, I can't remember the exact order, but there's Ignatius and mm. then Polycarp. I think there are two church fathers. Yeah. And and, uh, you know, like Ignatius was a student of John and then Polycarp, a student of Ignatius. You know, yeah. and and there's this martyrdom of Polycarp is what's the, uh, I'm getting him mixed up, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the the early church, yes, the, the, you know, I'm not far removed from this, right? And and I have talked with the eyewitnesses, and I've gotten to hear their their accounts over and over and over again, and you know, if you're telling a story. If you hear the story often enough, you start to go, I'm hearing inconsistencies. Mm -hmm. And you start to develop doubts. And rather than hearing these people over and over again and starting to go, oh, I, I see some holes in the story, they became convinced enough that they were willing to die for their faith. Wow. I'm going to, this is going to be a little bit of a tangent that and just as we're talking and just a thought that one of the other things too that, I, I marvel at is, is God's way works. You know, when you, when you do, th God promises, um, blessings. Um, now they're not always going to look like us. I, I put a lot of my own spin on what I think the blessing should look like. But when we look at, you know, um, the idea of being selfless, you know, the culture of the church in Romans uh, 12, I think, and in, in Corinthians and, and in so many other places, the idea of humility and honor, that when those things are poured out and lived out in reflection from our Savior, that the world around you changes, things get better. And I just have to wonder, I mean, the Roman culture was pretty disgusting. Uh, Melissa and I were down in Chicago, and they have a, a big display of, of Pompeii, mm. um, which is not far removed basically from the time that 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 right. the gospel uh that the letters were going out and the churches right. were being formed and they yeah, were talking like a decade right i think yeah. that was the 70s, yeah. Right? yeah i i all right so this is for our listeners most of them were adults already there was a part of the display in chicago that was adult themed that there mm. were basically pornographic images that were parts of people's homes and they had pictures of what these were and they talked about how sexuality was flaunted and the worship of sexuality that was very, very public. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I just looked at that. I was like, oh, my goodness, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. Here we are living in an American culture that also does very much of the same thing. But literally, these were pictures that were in your house displayed for everybody to see. And so when all of a sudden, here comes this little group of people who lives very differently and things begin to change, and you notice that culture, society gets better. It's been one of the things to me as a Christian that when I have applied God's logic, not mine, to my world, when humility is entered in as a father, as a husband, all of a sudden my relationships get better. Mm -hmm. And I just, I always marvel at, at that, that when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, if you love me, obey what I say. And 
the blessings just start coming. It doesn't always look like what I think, and it may take longer to get there, but I just wonder if that wasn't part of too what what was there is you have the eyewitnesses and you have you have the apostles doing miracles, but then just the way, in fact, the Christians were called the way, it changes things for the better for the people, especially who are hurting the most. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't surprise me about the Pompeii thing, because if you've ever read any of Paul Meyer's uh, historical fiction about, I think like the first Christians is what it was called. I had to put the book down when he started to talk about what was happening in Rome. I mean, it was that filthy. Yeah. Uh, uh, just disgusting. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a few years ago, we stumbled across a book uh, entitled When Children Became People. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, because yeah. uh, it was the Christian faith that influenced, you know, and said, children are precious. In fact, just applying that in a very uh, more modern setting, when our first missionaries got into, into Africa— uh, the children that were not, you know, de were deformed in some way. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, yep. They would be left out to perish, very much like what happened in the Roman times. And uh, uh, the medical mission that we have in, in Africa started with uh, missionaries' wives who just said, we need to take care of these kids. Mm-hmm. You know, because every person is precious because every person, you know, Jesus died for every person. So, yeah, that, there are lots of horror stories of what Christians have done over the ages. And yet God's church has grown because of that humility and love. God be praised. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I tangented uh, there because people are willing to die for this faith but people were also willing to sacrifice to live for this faith. And in the living and in the dying, it changed lives. It changed cultures the way that God said it would change. Um, right. And so I, I see that too as another one of those proofs that this, this man, Jesus, who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, um, he, he wasn't just a guy who had some good ideas, but he promised power that would ignite a faith and a courage. And there it was lived out in those centuries, um, which is just amazing. Was there one more that we we had that we were going to talk about too? Uh, uh, I don't think, I can't think of it. I, I just, as you were, you know, kind of in my mind wrapping up there, yeah, uh, yep. I thought of Pastor Keel's comment, let's always go back to yeah. John 20, that right at the end of John 20, these are written that you may know that you have eternal life and that by believing you might have life in Jesus' name. That, that if you have questions, it is okay to have questions and doubts. God had the scriptures written to reassure us. Search the scriptures. Like you said, interview the witnesses. And the goal is not that it answers every question, but that you have this confidence, Jesus died for me, and I am forgiven. And I have eternal life. You know, this this isn't this isn't philosophy. Right. This is a very personal, you know, I am I am mortal. I am going to die. 
what happens to me? Interview the witnesses. See that they are faithful. See how God used them to change the world and see if he doesn't change you too. Amen. I love it. Um, this has been our, our a bit of a, a look into um, that Easter piece of things. Oh, we had a couple of resources that we wanted to oh, share yes. with you guys as well, because uh, again, in a podcast, we could probably talk for the next four weeks on this and not really scratch the surface in the kind of detail, but you had a couple. I yeah, have so, one. yeah. So um, uh, we have in our library, we have a number of Lee Strobel's books. If you're familiar with Lee Strobel, you wrote uh, case for Christ. This one happens to be case for faith. Um, Lee's, Lee was not a believer and he actually did this research to try to prove to his wife that, you know, this is all junk. This is all junk. Yeah. Uh, and so I would, you know, that's one author that is helpful. And it's, I, I looked, um, it's, it's available on prime, uh, Netflix, uh, had picked it up for everyone. So every once in a while it will hit some of the streaming services, but there's a film out there that. Is a dramatic depiction. Lee's book is is a bit better uh, in terms of telling his story, but the, I think the movie helps people um, step into the the yeah. into Lee's life a little bit. But you had one more that you felt was better. Yeah. And, and and as far as the 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 uh, resurrection cold case Christianity by uh, J. Uh, Warner Wallace. Uh, if if you are somebody who loves murder mysteries, you will love this book uh, because it's written by a cold case murder investigator, and he talks about how you use uh, evidence to make a case, and he just does a great job. He tells you kind of a little bit of the murder mystery of uh, of some uh, murder that he cold case that he uh, uh, worked on, and then how this means of evidence and, and, and using evidence uh, can reassure you that Jesus rose from the dead. So that was that book cold case. Christianity has probably been the most impactful one for me as I've dealt with this. Yeah. So there are a couple of resources that if you'd really like to do a deeper dive on, on some of this, it's I, I am, I am, and I mentioned to, 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 to uh, teenagers and to the young adults, all the questions that you have have actually volumes of books that have been written about the why and the what and the how and things of that nature. Um, it may be the first time you've ever thought about these questions before, but just know that for generations, people have thought about, wrestled with, and written down their personal journeys as far as getting to that space of, did this really happen to? I am convinced this really happened and that what the dead guy who's now alive said about me living forever uh, with him uh, in, in perfection, the idea that I can love my God with an undivided heart and I can love my neighbor from an undivided heart, a place that exists like that, that that is true, I'm convinced. Amen. And so we hope that uh, this installment has been helpful. Again, this is episode seven. We're talking about the Easter uh, uh, the Easter question. Did Jesus really rise from the grave? And I hope that this has been helpful for you. So Pastor Pete, thank you again. Have a blessed day. And we will uh, we will talk to you guys again in our next episode. You guys have a great week.